Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello and welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. Uh, you can also call me Shangguan Jiewan, my Chinese name. I'm living here in beautiful Wuhan, China. And today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Shu. I am from the northeast part of China, and I'm speaking to you from Beijing, China. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars, suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share. Email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. So the Olympics are finished, and I wanted to talk about them a little bit. You know, perspectives, you know, media that we saw. Our, yeah. our, what, what did we think about it? I thought it was really interesting. My wife watched practically every minute of it. Wow. I want to tell you a little bit of a story. Uh, so it's cold, you know. It's winter. <laughs> and so um, we've been retreating from the living room. We don't spend any time in the living room because we're trying to save on heating bills yeah. and not waste energy. So she's in, we have three bedrooms. She's in one of the bedrooms where she set up her office so she can just heat that mm-hmm. one room and i've set up my office in another bedroom we just like sit in two of the bedrooms and heat those rooms only yeah and she's moved the entire sofa into her office <laughs> as like the lounge so i can go in there and hang out while she's working or whatever uh-huh. and she's also moved the entire big screen tv next to her computer office so like yeah she just turns the olympics on every day when she goes to work because she works at home and then she just like always watches. so she sees every minute of the olympics basically all day because she she doesn't sleep i don't know she's like a robot she goes to bed at like four and wakes up at nine or something and she's wow and she's just working and so she's always watching the olympics and so I, i'm hanging out there too i lay on the couch sometimes and like check my different social media applications and i'm mm-hmm. watching there's a my wife is in the in the middle of the tv but i can kind of yeah. see you know snowboarders on one side or the I try other to, i try to i try to do that at work uh we were watching the the men's uh figure skating competition because everybody was trying to watch it and that's the only time i attempted to watch games on my laptop <laughs> at mm. work because i would make i make too much noise like i would mm. i would either ooh or <laughs> scream ah, and like I, I couldn't control it so i i gave up on the whole idea of trying to watch it at work and what i do was like i will get you know uh notice our our people's like i look at social media look Mm. i'm at wechat and people are like oh my god this and then i just go and search for the video and watch it again at least Mm. that way Mm. i know the results i don't have to disturb my coworkers in the same office with my (laughs) senseless noise well well, that's that's really interesting so uh you get away with watching tv at work i want to work where you work (laughs) i guess we did because it's it's so different it's not like i would feel a little bit guilty if it's a game that goes on every year and it goes on for like oh, I you see, know yeah. six yeah, months yeah, out of a yeah. year you make a this good is point. like this is the olympics in beijing plus exactly. we're in china and so everyone's kind of watching it as much as they can i was super hoping that you know for the month of the olympics the company could just be like oh we could all work from home but that didn't <laughs> that didn't happen so i'm actually missed the pandemic has spoiled you i, I think it did I, I i but i did miss a lot of games like I, there it's hard for me to catch every game and some of the games uh especially the skiing related games they happen in the morning and i was in mm. i was either i would be in commute or morning meetings and stuff so i didn't catch a lot of th- those meetings so i'm very jealous mm. of summer <laughs> well you know the really big uh ski jump 
where you jump from a really high distance and fall. And then they did so well at that. I was laying in on the sofa, checking my social media <laughs> while my wife was watching that. And she was like, this is the one I want to do. And uh, I was like, are you kidding me? That is probably the, <laughs> one of the most dangerous ones. And she's like, yeah, but they, it's so easy. No. I was like, no, those are the best people in the world at that. If they make it look easy, it's not easy. You're going to break your leg. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure. More. Yeah, so that's the, that's the thing. I'm pretty sure if we look at uh, if, if you listen to our previous episodes on the you know winter olympic sports that we went through a like great detail discussing i want to i want to correct some of my comments on some of the winter sure. olympic sports <laughs> remember when i said i could luge you just lie down and you just yes, remember yes, when yes. i said that i take it back i take that back completely what is that two-man luge thing where they're like one guy's stacked on another guy i don't understand what's going on yeah bobsleigh it's a that bobsleigh is the four people i i, I am i i watched i actually happened to watch a uh luge competition like the mm, the mm, luge game mm. and I look at the stats, like they put the they put the uh, the statistics of, of how fast these people were going on the screen, mm, and I was like, mm, "Oh mm. my!" I I I I was like, <laughs> I, "I kid you not." I should have texted you at the moment because that's when I was like, "Oh my god!" I was such you know I was such an idiot on the show where I was like, "I can do that." <laughs> it seems like I will enjoy that sport, and like it's actually way more dangerous than like it requests way more skills and control of your body to be actually competing in that and people there actually have been uh, uh mm. injuries or even even death before so i have the uh some of the lists here for various teams in front of me and so everyone knows uh goo eiling i guess she's called eileen yes. and eiling eileen she won yeah. two golds and a silver so she's like a uh, darling of china now i can't they call her the snow princess yeah so she's super super like well I guess she's also a model or something. So she's got her stuff together. Congratulations to her. But I also, <laughs> I, I was looking at uh, men's snowboard big air, Sue Eming. Yes. And I, I have to say, you know, you know, I like ladies, but he is really <laughs> handsome. I mean, I guess we should be talking about his athleticism or whatever, but I was like, Dude looks good. Oh my god! I just saw. I did not expect that. <laughs> I, I'm not objecting to it. I think, but he's like 17, and I, for me, it's like I don't want to comment on his look. Oh, 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 oh. yeah, he's very. I didn't very know young. his age. I didn't actually, know his age. We actually knew him because he was in a movie a couple of years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. He's an actor. Well, he was a child that does skiing very well, and that movie was about you know it, it involves like skiing in the snow, and he was in the movie. Um, and he got really, really known and he was working with some like big time uh, uh, celebrities, big time film people. Mm, mm, and so mm. they all came out to congratulate him. And um, it's funny that you mentioned both of them because I watched a video of when they first met each other, I think, or, you know, during the period of them first meeting um, at the age of 14, because they're like mm, 17 and 18. Mm, so they mm. were younger. They were kids. And it was it was a very lovely, uh, you know, 
video of these two future at the time, like they didn't know that, yeah. but future gold medalists of the Winter Olympics first meeting each other. And they were just kind of like, oh, how many hours do you train? Oh, I train I train five hours a day. Da, 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 da. And they're like, hey, you want to try my snowboard? You want to try my ski? Yeah, sure. Let's swap. And they swapped. And they're like, oh, my God, that's so hard. I wish you could <laughs> use the handles uh, for the snowboard. And then the other person is like, yeah, I wish you could do something else with the ski. Mm, mm. It's really adorable. It was very precious. <laughs> 越越精彩, There was so much going on I know. during the Olympics. Like, of course, everyone was obsessed with Bing Duan Duan. <laughs> I guess Shui Rongrong is the <laughs> less well-liked brother, but Bing Duan Duan is so popular on every media that I'm looking at. He, Bing Duan Duan is popping up doing dancing and like falling down and being helped up by others. And like, all, it's just like people <laughs> being, are in lines at the, at the door. <laughs> yeah, being stuck, but like sweeping the f- ground and also like a uh, I guess it because it doesn't have a Bing Duan Duan is neither male nor female. Mm. Bing Duan Duan is like also like people are lined up 20 people in a line just to try to get one of the dolls or things. Yeah. And there was a thing about like passing them out as gifts to athletes because I guess when they finish their uh, sport, yeah. they're given a Bing Duan Duan trophy before they end up going to the separate place in some instances to to stand on the stage and get their yeah. their gold. So you get a gold medal, plus you get a Bing Duan Duan. So it's like a two for one. Yeah, I know. You know, the some of the athletes, when they're interviewed, they're like, um, oh, well, I have a little brother and he would really love a Bing Duan Duan. But uh, if I win another medal, I'll give that one to him. But this one I'm keeping. If I don't win another, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get a Bing Duan Duan. I'm like, yeah. you go. <laughs> That's how much they love it. It's wow. like, I'm not going to pass it out even to my little brother. <laughs> The robots. I know. Okay, so we have so I want to just just talk <laughs> about the robots for a while. So there, firstly, there's a bar uh-huh. with a robot bartender. It's like an arm that like mixes drinks for you. And I, I don't know how you request it, but that is really cool. Mm-hmm. But also, I was thinking if this is the future, like if you like, there are a lot of depressed, lonely people who go to bars in the middle of the day to like. <laughs> Talk to a bartender a little bit and drink away their troubles. Yeah. You wouldn't have anyone to talk to anymore. I know that this, I mean, that's even before the Winter Olympics. The first video footage that came out of the village was about these mm. robot cooking and mm, serving mm, mm, mm. and, you know, shaking drinks for people. And I I think it was really impressive for a lot because I there were a lot of uh, Douyin videos that mm. these uh, uh, international athletes posted. They're mm. like, oh, my God, I just ordered this from my room. And look what's being what's delivering my food. And it's a little robot that comes to your door <laughs> and things like that really, really came off as super impressive for a lot of the international athletes. Well, there was a uh, international snowboard, Australian snowboarder named Scotty James. And one of the things mm-hmm. he said on I think it's Twitter is it's such an incredible place. China really put it on us for us athletes. One hundred percent. So like I think there was like the idea that people were like, oh, gosh, what's this going to be like this the whole closed loop system? But then it turned out like more spectacular than anyone could possibly have imagined. I remember the first uh, the first batch of videos that came out were when the athletes first arrived at the Olympic Village. And then they were like, look, the 
there's a zero gravity mode on my bed and I just had the best <laughs> sleep in my life. Oh yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> People work, uh, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to diss Japan. I, I'm sure Japan, Japan, I've been there, it's a lovely place, but I, they gave them these cardboard box beds and like uh, they were made out of cardboard. The whole idea was that they could be recycled yeah, really easily but- and stuff. So people were like, yay. But then the Olympic, when, when people were arriving in Beijing, they were like, oh, Beijing totally takes the cake. You know, this is this is what I wanted. <laughs> when when I was in Japan, I was hoping for this. I know. And then when they were the great American skier, Sean White, who's I, I think is really attractive. Not, you know, <laughs> just just saying um, uh, I don't want to objectify anyone. <laughs> yes, I think we've both really done it now. So it's amazing. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. He's, OK, now we're square, but he's very charming, I think. And he took so many videos of his whole uh, Winter Olympic journey here, including, of course, the bed and then the whole decor of his room and the way how easy it is for them to go from their apartments they're staying into the training Mm. arena where like the machine could see who you are without you taking your mask off and say okay sean white has checked in and go in so he took a lot of videos including them kind of just dancing in their room because it's very spacious (laughs) it's very nice and they're in a really good mood and it's such a joy for me to watch those videos and i wish i was in the kind of wish i was in the loop well uh in order to be in the loop you needed to either be a volunteer there are 18 is it 18,000 volunteers mm-hmm. or you need to be one of the most amazing athletes on earth. So, you know, for you, I'm thinking most amazing athlete, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you might need to s- you practice for a I could be a great two. luge uh, competitor. Curling. I always just imagine that I, I guess it's a lot harder than I would ever know. But like in my mind, I would like, I could be a curler. You know, the thing, <laughs> the, no, the thing is most of the people from, at least from the Chinese, well, from the Chinese team are actually from my hometown. Hmm. They're from the Northeast. Oh part yeah, of, China. of course they would be right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I, when I, when I heard them talk on TV, when they're competing in Dongbei dialect, I was like, Hey, th- at least there's one qualification that I, I get. That you, <laughs> I already that you have can, that. You can speak. I got Dong the language down. Yes. <laughs> I got that down already. So I think that's a first start. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was talking about this on another show with uh, Bebe is that mm-hmm. right now, a lot of the most amazing uh, winter sports athletes are co- coming out of Dongbei. But statistically, that might change because before where it was, okay, Dongbei is cold as mm-hmm. like, so that's where people learn winter sports. Now with, there are 800 ski parks that have opened in the last three or four years, mm-hmm. 346 million Chinese people are now taking place <laughs> or taking part in winter Olympic, like act or sorry, winter sports activities. Yeah. So like, it might be that because there's so much more, no, so many more facilities, ice rinks, yeah. snow places, to go skiing and snowboarding in China being developed that Dongbei won't dominate the next time, you know, there's a Winter Olympics with China participating, or maybe it might take a couple of Winter Olympics because increasingly, if you have 346 million, what is that about? Like a quarter of the population-ish? Yeah. So like that means that's going to 
be a much bigger pool of amazing and talented winter athletes in the future in China. I mean, I still think Dombas going to dominate the sports because we have natural <laughs> advantage. But I, you do, Beijing. you do see videos of like these one one year old who could barely walk just going on the snowboard, <laughs> and this kid just goes, yeah, 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 boop, and he crouches down, and the snowboard just goes, and he's just chilling on the snowboard. I saw that. I think we watched the <laughs> same sending us video, the same maybe. Videos. I was like, oh, my God, can you <laughs> imagine really cool, you learned yeah. how to snowboard before you could walk? Wow. Yeah, that would be pretty nifty because when I went snowboarding, I could walk, but I could not snowboard. <laughs> <laughs> I could tumble really well. I'm very good at tumbling on a snowboard. Yeah, I have got, <laughs> I, I have got about 10 invites to uh skiing like a skiing weekend mm. by my friend go, go. Uh, for this past month i mean right now it's over the snow season sort of it's it's over you have to travel to different provinces like i have a friend who's still on her skiing trip like she's going to different provinces mm. she's like chasing mm. the cold you know like as going away she chases the cold and 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 she skis but during this past winter because of um, the Winter Olympics, or maybe because my friends think I actually have enough money now to go on ski trips. Uh, they've been inviting me, and I never went. I, I, I don't think I will go. It's, I don't know. It's a. Uh, Kudos to all the athletes for not just skiing or snowboarding, doing tricks mm. and stuff. I was like, this is way to, I was very, 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 you know, in awe mm. of all of this. I mean, you know, they say not to eat like right before you go swimming. And I guess that's not true. I, or it is true. It's just one of those things. I have no idea. But it was really interesting watching Gu Eiling. She's like, oh my like, God. Horfing food down right before so she goes cute. and wins gold medals and stuff. It's like, oh that my God. That was so <laughs> cute when she took my, but the whole time was like i felt like nobody asked that question for me because she was not the only person who did that the the girl from malta uh the mm. the uh, the athletes mm. from malta after she finished she took out the the red bean paste bun as well and she finished it mm. she was like i really like it i've been eating so many of these <laughs> and i just put one in my pocket i was like first off what if it falls out of your pocket? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? That'd be great TV, though. Like if you're watching and food starts flying out of the athlete's pockets. Right. And and then for... <laughs> it didn't happen. And for Guiling, like when I saw the video, I was like, oh my God, this is the cutest thing. And she just started munching into the... And people had a huge discussion on what the proper translation of that would be. Because it's basically like a pan fried <laughs> pie with the Chinese leeks and, and scrambled eggs. Yeah, I kept hearing that. Right? This leek, yeah, leeks, leeks, leeks. It's... it's 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 Chinese leeks. Isn't that onions. Leeks are onions, right? And it's not onions. It's rarely used in, in Western cuisine. I think we mm. use it. It's not onions. It's not. Uh, it's not the the leeks that we use. The big ones that are used for flavoring and for broths. This is like flat leaves leeks which is called chinese leaves and we do we use it in dumplings we use it in pies like this and we use it to scramble like stir fry with either eggs or, or, or bean sprouts um because they have that kind of strong onion-ish taste and flavor mm. um mm. aha so i was right they're onion-esque okay they're onion-esque <laughs> but you know they could be there we count we count that as a sort of a vegetable mm. and when she was eating it all i was thinking was like all right it stayed in your pocket great but isn't it cold <laughs> like it should be cold by now i was thinking about all of these like unrelated useless stuff but it was very i love that moment when she just took mm. it out like you see how she's doing the sports for herself and she's really just trying to surpass her past uh, self that sounded like a tongue twister but i love that moment 
I read an article uh, about Team USA snowboarder Tessa Maud, and she also was saying really positive things. This is in an article on a Yahoo article, Uh Yahoo.com news. And she said, there's always something that you can eat, uh, something that you can find that's going on better than the cafeteria. Yeah. That's going to be better. So there's just stuff everywhere, like all kinds of food. I also saw saw a video of Sean White, and he's sitting there showing his food off. Uh, Did you see this video? Yes, he did. sitting at a table yes and he says look at this there was food and then look at this his, food and he shows like <laughs> yeah there was kung pao chicken i saw that too i was like uh so so american and like his whole table is covered like with 10 different dishes while he's making the video there's like three hungry looking people sitting there waiting <laughs> like, they're just kind of like sean just just get over with okay, it like, make your video let's go <laughs> yeah sean's taking up the habit of letting the camera eat first <laughs> but you i mean I, I think the entire world saw the robots i want to talk about them again a little bit yeah. because i don't i don't want to just talk about them in the context of the olympics but like it seems like that you know we could talk about the labor market with this so like these robots i was actually really surprised i heard they were going to be robots i thought it was just going to be a little bit but i was watching the the robots make the noodles where the pan is being flipped and spun sideways and like all this really cool stuff then they get sucked up into the (laughs) ceiling and then drop back down onto people i was like oh my gosh this is some like sci-fi movie stuff and but also there's a a mismatch at least in the american labor market where people don't want to make your fries anymore and so this looks like what China, the Chinese Winter Olympics has kind of said, hey, maybe this is what we could put in there instead. Mm-hmm. And so instead of like a human being, 17 year old making nothing to flip burgers, we could just have like a robotic mm-hmm. arm in there. And maybe it pays for itself after a couple of years because the labor is not there. You don't have to pay for that labor. And then that, that teenage kid go get a more interesting kind of thinking sort of job. And we could leave, you know, we could just let all these robots take the over. teenage kid could train to be a, a luge athlete or a robot <laughs> repair technician i totally hear you you're trying to hear you i can't i can't i can't get over the luge i can't um, get over luge. T- <laughs> <laughs> if, if anyone wants a luge ambassador in china please contact me i am i am i am obsessed in, with luge i'm obsessed um but i i totally hear you because in the whole winter olympics there is robot making the dishes robots mm. serving the dishes mm. robots doing room Cleaning. service delivery robots cleaning and robots making uh drinks uh, robot bot or bartenders but i love that the whole olympic committee a community is being super impressed with this but i also wish you know this the pandemic wasn't here or it was over and they could actually see the city because robot like cleaning robots room delivery robots and even you know uh kitchen robots are kind of already popular outside like just in Beijing, at least my the dance studio that I go to, the building is being cleaned by, I think, two or three robots every day. They just roam around the space. You know, they look like they look like the room delivery robots, but they're cleaning robots and they're like about the height of a kid and they just walk around, you know, they do the cleaning and sweeping. I wanted to actually correct what I said earlier about this lady, Tessa Maud. She wrote, the meals at the Winter Olympics are, quote, the best Chinese food she has ever eaten. Yeah, Tessa so. Tessa got really uh, popular among Chinese uh, uh, readers or Chinese audience as well, because I think Tessa was the person who said, I've, I've been eating dumplings nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw <laughs> that picture day. of the lady with the chopsticks stuck in her mouth, and she's like, got a huge plate of, yeah, I saw that too. You get, you get mixed up, because all the athletes were posting videos. So I was saying I've been eating dumplings for breakfast, lunch and dinner because they're just so 
good. Well, you know, these people need the calories. They're probably using like twice as many calories as everyone else in the world. I know. I need to keep looking at these people so that I could encourage myself to, if I want to lose weight, I am going to do sports and not starve myself. The opposite could happen. You just look at these people and just feel really sad. <laughs> because why? They look so good. Well, they work out every day. I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's the key. Working out five hours a day is the way to go. Yeah. So I also wanted to talk about, you know, a big thing that we talk about often on the show is environmentalism, Mm -hmm. reuse, recycling and stuff. I wanted to talk about Shogong, Shogong Park. Shogong Park, yeah. Yeah. So Shogong Park, they shut it down in 2007. Mm -hmm. Uh, It used to be a steel refinery. And then they shut it down for the 2008 uh, Summer Olympics in Beijing to help, you know, clean up the environment and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But between 2008 and I guess about 2017 or 18, they turned it into like this beautiful park Mm -hmm. so i've been to this park i don't know you know a dozen times or something to go see all kind they have new technology out that that they're testing like driverless cars and driverless buses and there's a starbucks out there and there's a bar out there and there's like a skate park out there yeah and like uh people go out there for photography and like to take selfies and like professional photographers go but they've taken all of these old steel mill facilities and they've painted them up in in case parts of them in glass and they built a lake and they basically you know a pond i guess but mm-hmm. you know big pond and they've turned it into this really beautiful like high-tech looking visually aesthetic kind of park yeah but it's also they had a lot of the winter olympics there you a lot of people are looking around and they're seeing these old silo looking yeah things next to them and they're like well you know a lot of people are like what is this and it's what it is is they are reusing the facilities as an aesthetic backdrop yeah. for this new park called Shogun Park, but also for the the Winter Olympics and the Paralympics, which are coming up. Yeah. So a lot of people think, oh, okay, you know, some of these facilities have been reused from 2008, like uh, the the bird's nest and the water cube, which is mm-hmm. nicknamed the ice cube. But like, <laughs> they're also in addition to reusing a lot of these facilities, they have some new facilities mm-hmm. for the Winter Olympics, and those. Those are then going to be, again, reused for the Paralympics, which are Mm -hmm. March 4th to March 13th. So like all of these other athletes across 78 medal events, 736 Paralympians from around the world will come and reuse all of the Winter Olympic facilities again. So we haven't seen the last of all of these robots. We're going to be seeing a lot more of it soon because there are going to be more athletes returning to use the same facilities just around the corner. And I think that's just a Amazing. So, okay. And then, of course, after the Paralympics are over, Shogun Park isn't going away. It's probably going to grow. Mm-hmm. They probably had it contained a little bit because they were getting ready for the Olympics. Yeah. But imagine after that's over, there'll probably be new things popping up throughout there, also new facilities and stuff. So, I think it's just amazing that Beijing has actually modeled like a lot of cities like that have done the Olympics in the past. They've ended up losing money and they've ended up upsetting the population. Yeah. What Beijing has done is shown how to make a really high functioning reusable set of facilities that they can use again and again and again and again and then eventually just get turned over to the public for the for the wider public good and it's it's probably the best model for an olympics event that has maybe ever been done and this is a little you know selfish a little childish uh, talk that i had with my co-workers were like 
hey, you know, we were working this uh, during the, the Winter Olympics and we already have all of these facilities and venues. So uh, let's just do that. just just do another Beijing Olympics in another like <laughs> well, I don't see why four, not. eight years or something. Right. Like we already have. I think I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, of course, the Olympics goes around the world to pro- it does, yeah. to promote, uh, you know, open mindedness and uh, international friendliness and over sports. But, I, you know, we, we have everything ready. And if you well, other countries have hosted different Olympic events more than once. They usually do it in a different city. Yeah. The world is a changed place. And maybe what we kind of need is occasionally for us to think about the environment and reuse some of the same facilities. And Beijing seems to be doing it better than anywhere else. Yeah, just just putting it out there, you know, <laughs> if you want to do it again. <laughs> when I'm still like energetic enough to to cheer and scream <laughs> for the athletes. I am. An, I've talked about this before. I'm not a huge sports person. Mm. I like am like the opposite, mm-hmm. probably of a sports person, whatever that means. <laughs> like, I don't I don't watch like <laughs> basketball. I don't even know when basketball season is. I don't watch baseball. I don't watch American football. I do watch the World Cup a little bit. You know, I'm like, OK, that's interesting. Uh-huh. It's someone who studied history i look for like historical moments Mm -hmm. so the olympics is is always something i've been interested in even as a little kid i'm like these are the best in the world they're doing their the coolest thing that they're representing like the most extreme like kinds of sports for the world this is also people from all over the world coming together and even as a young child i could understand how important that was yeah and so i've always when the olympics come on i'm like Okay, let's let's see what's going on. And I actually do watch the Olympics, and I think it's a very interesting. As a person who does not like sports, I like the. You're Olympics. very Chinese about that. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> we've always been Chinese people have always been very loyal uh, audience to the Olympic Games wherever it's being held and World Cup. World Cup. Every World Cup, you would see all of these. I can't even call them fans because a lot of them probably don't even follow any leagues, any championships. But when it's World Cup, they're like. We're going to pick a team that we're going to root for and we're going to stay up until three to watch that game. You know, actually, I learned about the World Cup when I moved to Asia. (laughs) When I was in America, I'd never heard of it because, you know, you have American football. That's all you ever hear about. Yeah. Basketball and football, basketball. When I was a kid, it was baseball and baseball kind of the noise from baseball got lowered in in mainstream culture and basketball and football Mm. turned up. And when I moved to Asia, it was like they don't even care that there's football, American football. They're like, what's? that that's that thing that you guys call football we have a real football you know yeah (laughs) and then i was like oh what's you know what is this and then like people were so into it people were so excited it was so international yeah it's a global event and it was just like okay you know baseball says world series but they just mean america so like (laughs) when when i moved out of america i really saw like um, the american sports in its own context yeah very isolated compared to the rest of the sports are very global yeah i mean we watched the the super bowl a couple of weeks ago, but that was just, you know, it's all expats. It's like rarely uh, uh, there's like one table of Chinese people watching it. But for Olympics and World Cup, we're all mm. in. I want, you know, this bartender thing, I was thinking about it. Like, would that, wouldn't that be a great business model? Because at least if you were on the edge of like taking the bartender from the Olympics, like, idea and making your own like that you would be on the cutting edge. Firstly, you get clientele just because you were the bar with that device yeah and then secondly like your labor costs would be dropped you could still have a real person there even you could have like a real bartender but then you could have just to chat you could have one or two robots too (laughs) 
<laughs> because if you're if you have a popular bar, you need to be making drinks f- pretty fast. So you could have two robots and a dude or a lady, and like that could be your bar, and your labor costs would pay for themselves after a while because you don't need to pay as many real people. And the person, the real person at the bar, could just be chatting with the customers, and then the actual drink making part is going to be handled by the robots. Yeah, or they could be yeah, they could be taking orders and interacting with people, and then the robots could, okay, your your drink's gonna be over here. Yeah, miss miss. But of course, then you couldn't do that weird because there's another weird thing that's going on right now. A lot of times, like if you're in a cafe or a restaurant now, mm-hmm. the people are watching out for the ladies. So sometimes this is a trend now. Like if they see some weird drunk guy picking up in an obviously uncomfortable lady, mm-hmm. people will write notes on their napkins or their their, their drink that says if that's true, the, you're, you need help, like do X thing, like part your hair in a different way or something so like they know that hey we need to maybe they call the police or like watch out for this weird dude so like with robots you don't have as much of that so that's you know you do need the person in the mix because in in a lot of drinking scenarios you do have a lot of odd situations that come up i know this is probably the the near future that we could see with robots being actually applied into our daily lives and it's not going to be like a, a takeover it'll be a mixed service kind with supervision from still from humans. You know, there's always been a, you probably know a lot about more this more than I do, because I know you do. You work for a major corporation and you do teach like intercultural relations to your staff. So like there's always a transition in labor. So there used to be people who made mm-hmm. individual items. Then there was the factory. I'm talking like 1800, you know, and then factories continued yeah. to improve. There was the line <laughs> factory and then there were machines and eventually there robots in car and so like less and less labor didn't Mm -hmm. just like it wasn't like people just starved to death in fact people are better off now than they ever (laughs) have been globally so what happens is people just move into new kinds of jobs so if fast food and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. we're gonna de-labor it slowly over the next 10 or 20 years what might be the future kind of positions that are opening up are we able to see that or is that just too much like looking into the crystal ball i think there are a lot of there has been a lot of talks uh where workshops, lectures whatsoever on the future of this type of change in the labor, uh, in the Mm, workforce. mm. And that's, you know, when we talk about robots is mainly just uh, artificial intelligence, right? You're using these because right now we, people are kind of looking at robots as something that's uh, very threatening. That's going to be like uprooting how we live our lives. But Mm. if you really think about it, like you say, all of the machines that we use in the factories are technically robots. They're just not using data to... Uh, they don't have a conversation with you. <laughs> <but they're doing> <laughs> so- <laughs> they- I really love making license plates. Or whatever. <laughs> you have worked for a long time. Take a break. Um, you know, they they are... They don't... The, the only difference between them and robots is there's no uh, intelligence. There's no machine learning. Mm. They could only do whatever that's repeated. And those jobs were used to be done by human so if we really look at things in a much bigger perspective from a much bigger perspective it's Mm. going to go on that way i think that's inevitable Mm. and if you go and you know do some research and watch some uh videos of these kind of talks and interviews you know that it's going to be actually really replaced soon for example um uh, translation and interpreting. I, I hate to say this because that was my college major. And that was actually why I didn't want to do interpret interpreting as a profession after I graduated. And I changed major because I know that with technology advancing at its speed 
and if not faster, that will be that will be completely unnecessary for a person to be there. Because, for example, um, a lot of people think that in, simultaneous interpreting is easy because we get asked a lot. We're like, oh, can you just provide simultaneous interpreting service to this conference? I'm like, no, <laughs> you need to be professionally trained. I need to have a partner to swap with me after 15 minutes. And I need glossary. I need preparation. I need the, the documents. Context. So that, right. I need a lot of stuff. I need a lot of preparation. And that's why that job is mostly for people mm. under the age of 35, because after that, your brain just can't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I've tried a lot of these uh, like instant interpreting services, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. like brands like Google, Xunfei and these other websites. The accuracy level is about the same with a human interpreter, because when you're doing simultaneous interpreting, the you know you don't need to you don't really need to convey the tone I think and maybe, the humor i mean I, I i'm just trying to be funny here but i don't think i think sure if you're doing business but if you're like you know one nation talking to another nation about de-escalating nuclear tensions you probably want a person that's true that's true like you are still, you gonna fire your why... nuclear weapons we may consider doing that may not be like exactly what you're looking for <laughs> you know like i know so that like but like you know the negotiation itself needs yeah. to be handled so, by humans yeah this technology is taking over translation is what you're saying yeah, i i think so for a certain level of translation i don't think mm. we could see the day i don't think i'll see the day where a machine could translate literature really well i i don't i don't think that'll happen in my lifetime maybe it'll surprise me you're right but i mean there's experiments right now where they're having ai write books have you have you read any of these at all <laughs> i actually sorry i'm laughing because the company i worked for we're actually experimenting with ai uh produced music and it it, mm. it, it works really well i read i read like one page of a horror novel that an ai wrote like about a month ago it, it read like you know 5,000 horror novels and then tried to write its own. It was so funny because it was not, it wasn't <laughs> very good. Actually, it was, it was really silly. It was like the evil clown comes out of the dark, dark place and says something menacing. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah, that was okay. I guess, you know, I get the idea, but you know, yeah. I have a picture in my head, but it's certainly not as good as like Stephen King or something. Exactly. I think there's part of the human culture and civilization involvement that's still too hard to just decode and write into codes for machines to learn and i think if i could be so bold as to predict what kind of jobs are going to be replaced uh by mm. robots what kind of jobs are not it's it's i think art related jobs are not going to be completely replaced by ai it's it's been something ever since human history we've always had the urge to write draw yeah, and sing yeah. and dance right mm, that can mm. be replaced by robots but all they the do have art art making robots it's interesting that you say that i think you're right i think you're right people were going to ultimately want people to be the artists because they have the context to create something emotionally and humanistically meaningful but there are robots that are trying to paint and stuff i know we'll see what they could create eventually again with the the way that technology has been developed for the past five decades i'm really not going to be surprised if something comes out i was like oh i thought i would never see that in my living time but i, I did but i I just feel like people are always, for example, I'm always going to want to sing. People are always going to want to sing when they're really happy. But any of the other jobs that came after, say, the 
industrial revolution, you know, manufacturing jobs or any jobs that stems from that day and age will probably get replaced by a robot and they probably do it better. Like you said, for someone who works at a fast food chain whose job is just to flip burgers and fry, you know, make fries. And that, they, I don't think people want to do exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. I enjoy like, man, I always wanted to be a fry cook. Uh, when I grow up, I want to flip burgers. Exactly. So I think those jobs that are just there to support the chain of money making will probably get replaced by robots very soon on a large scale. Uh, and the Olympics is the perfect opportunity for people to, because I've seen like little videos of like one machine flipping burgers. I've seen that, but like mm -hmm. on the scale of the Olympics, where you have all of these athletes from all over the world and China's trying to put its best foot forward, they literally replaced all of these staff with robots so that they could demonstrate this technology on a mass scale for some of the most elite yep. kinds of uh, a certain class of elite global citizen. And everyone is truly, really impressed with this. People are like eating, you know, Sean White's eating Kung Pao chicken made by robots. So like, I think it's, <laughs> it's truly impressive on a, on a global scale. And like, this is the first like demonstrate, you know, they used to have the world fair. I don't know if they still have it. Yeah. The world fair, you would demonstrate the most amazing technology. In fact, the uh, Eiffel tower mm. was actually for made for a world fair is one of the most advanced technologies at that time. Yeah. Like basically this Olympics, this Beijing winter Olympics has been a demonstration on a mass scale of a robot cafeteria, kitchen cantina for like a certain class of people. And, and everyone around the world is seeing, this and i think it's sparking the imagination of billions of people you know like in america the winter beijing winter olympics was watched by 2.3 it was 2.3 billion hours of of people watching it they're not just seeing mm. you know skiers and snowboarders which are amazing and they make everything look so easy that you know i i think i i want to take a stab back at snowboarding again <laughs> Hopefully my ankle, ankle will be more forgiving this next time. But I mean, that's not all they saw. They saw this beautiful celebration of like technology and people and like excitement. And like it was one of the most profound. I think, you know, the world needed this Olympics because we were coming out of a period of time where people the psychological like, you know, zeitgeist needed something exciting and something to light everyone's imaginations up. And I think this has really done the trick. And, and before before I talk about other moments, really precious moments, I do want to say as a Chinese person, when I saw the V video from Sean White showing the Kung Pao chicken that was made by robots. I want to let all of our listeners know that looked very authentic. That looked nothing different from what a chef, a human chef would make. <laughs> that's what Kung Pao chicken looks like. That's what real Kung Pao chicken looks like. Whatever else you're eating, that's, you know, that's a fusion version of it. But I was very impressed with the look of the dishes. I was like, this is exactly what it would look like if I had made it or if, if a, a chef at a restaurant made it. Mm -hmm. So those robots are really, they're, they're you know, because a lot of times when people think, when robots do human jobs like oh they don't they don't it's gonna look very bland it's gonna look like there's <laughs> no soul in the food well that plate of kumpal chicken looks pretty soulful for me mm. So, mm. um but like i want to just echo what you said about watching this these really beautiful moments during the olympics and there's still one that really really sticks out to me still the the freestyle skiing where the chinese athlete xu Mengtao won the gold medal she won and she has been competing uh in four winter olympics so it's been a long mm. journey and this is probably mm. 
This was probably her last. And then after she finished her last jump, she surpassed the the other athletes, the other, other American athletes that she has been competing with. Like they have been competitors, but also friends for the past four Olympics. They are both mm-hmm. four, uh, four-time Olympians. And after they saw the score, the uh, American athlete came to congratulate her. And she called, oh, it brought tears to my eyes a little bit because she called her Chinese nickname. She said, she said, Tao Tao, I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. And they hugged and they both cried. And I'm getting goosebumps as I'm describing this moment right now. Mm. It was such a beautiful moment. And that's what the whole this whole event is about. And I know some people are trying to talk about, you know, where it's being held and what's wrong with this country. Whatever. Like these never these talks will never stop these people that commit their life to advancing themselves in a sport and competing together mm. and developing friendship together because that's the true spirit yeah. of this whole thing. You should watch that. You should watch that video. That video was like, oh my God, it makes me feel so warm and fuzzy inside. Well, I did actually see so. a different video in which there was a Chinese athlete holding the Chinese mm. flag up backwards. It was a Japanese uh, skater, a figure skater. They walked over and they helped them put the flag back in the correct way before the national anthem played. Yeah, because they were they finished their they finished their game, and, and it was that is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, these yeah the Chinese. I think these athletes have a much they're much better ambassadors than your typical citizen. I totally agree. Before the Olympics, there was a video of um, this American kid. She looked really young, and she got her qualification because uh, one of the Italian athlete had to drop out, mm. and she wasn't on. She didn't make it. She was just one behind from joining the the, the Olympic team uh, from the U.S. And she got the, the, the news couple just a few days before um, the Olympic Games was going to start. And the video was her calling her mom, telling her mom that she made it to the mm, Olympics. Mm. Oh, my God. I was like, and then people are commenting. They're like, see, this is this is what it was supposed to be mm, like. Mm. Like, it doesn't matter what political or yeah. economical differences that the two countries have. Like this game alone itself, it's what pulls people together instead of driving people apart. So, you know, I always kind of looked at space that way to some extent. Like when I was growing up, I was always hearing about the bad relationship between the Soviet Union and the United States. But I was always watching on in space and it's like they're participating together. And I was as a child found that a little confusing, but also like Mm -hmm. hopeful, you know, that like these two groups of people obviously have these huge differences, but then an American would get on a Soviet rocket and be launched into space made me think, well, maybe this is all going to be okay. And so looking at the Olympics, the way that using the portrait that you just painted of all of these athletes from all around the world, sometimes nations, they don't get along and that's can be frustrating. Yeah. It's, it's good to see that the Olympics is not a political event, that it is a sociocultural event for people. And they just happen to be the best athletes alive. But like that's it's amazing that they can get together and just be friendly with one another and they can get along and like, you know, really love one another and like, a you know, the brotherly sisterly way that we would all hope that we could all get along. It, it is really touching and amazing. And I think that it's at, given this time in history too, like, you know, this particular moment. Yeah, it's exactly what my spirit needed to see. I know. And it's uh, I remember when the uh, right after the opening ceremony, I think it was Tessa Mott again, like she. She recorded videos on her phone and the video caught one of the the volunteers, you know, 
lining up the the track that they're walking on, just saying "Welcome to China," mm. and just that word mm. alone, it was it it really really hit her, and she really it really made her feel super welcomed, and you know, touched or even moved. And I think she was almost crying when she saw the video, mm. and the guy said "Welcome to China," and they both talk about it on social media, and that's you know mm. that that word is like you know that kind that line has been used so many times nowadays, and people mm. say or there are signs on. At the airports or on buildings, we say "Welcome to China," "Welcome to yeah, New yeah, York," "Welcome yeah. to Tokyo," "Welcome to what?" But like, how many times do people really, really feel it? Mm. So I think this is a this this whole moment. I it it was a long game, but it fell really short as well. The whole I I kind of wish it was still you know still <laughs> going going on because um, it really makes people put aside a lot of. Unnecessary arguments and disagreements. Mm, I won't mm. say they're not important. Sometimes, like you stand by what you believe, and that's I respect you for that. But you know, don't let that get into people trying to compete, whatever, um, you know, in sports because that's it's it's just different. Sports, arts, that's just different from mm. all the things that came later in human civilization. <laughs> you know, You're right? I, there's another angle to it too, because again, we're in this very special moment. A lot of people aren't traveling as much as they were a few years ago. Yeah. So sometimes I, I get worried like that people are not going to understand. There's not as much cultural exchange. You know, there's not as much people saying, no, I've been there. It's not like what, you know, you guys are saying and, and they can defend a p- place based on their experience of having lived in a, you know, a, a place like I had a friend, he did Peace Corps. He went to Turkmenistan. I'd never learned anything about Turkmenistan, but like, yeah, because he was lit. He, he had lived there. If there's ever a conversation that comes up about like one of the stands, he's going to definitely be able <laughs> to like weigh, weigh in and like clarify about these real people that live there. Yeah. And, you know, because people haven't been traveling for all of these athletes to descend in Beijing and get and to have such special, amazing, positive moments together in front of the view of everyone, because basically everyone is connected to the world somehow through a phone or a TV or like in the internet, books, media, even I guess print is still around in some places (laughs) like, but they're all looking at all of these people from all over the world coming together and seeing it, this positive moment. And I have to say that I know I've said this already, but I'm just, it really makes me happy that we can agree to be human together. That is a great, that's a great line, Jason. I think the, <laughs> I think the Olympia, the Olympic committee should consider that using, using that as uh, their <laughs> new slogan. But it's, it's, it's true. Like when we were watching the, I remember when we were watching the opening ceremony and when all the countries are coming into the arena, um, we were like, oh my God, this is like just matching names of what we know on the map. Like, oh, that's from here. It's from here. And then I was like, this is basically, mm, um, mm. there's one country that really, really stuck out and I'm going to try to pronounce the name, right? It's <laughs> Liechtenstein. Yeah, Liechtenstein. That, say that again? Liechtenstein. Liechtenstein. Because we, I'm saying Liechtenstein because- <laughs> It says we, CH, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the name, the way it's translated into Chinese is mm. Liechtenstein. And we were like, everybody on social media and Chinese social media was like, oh my God, we're seeing countries that only existed in our high school uh, geography <laughs> textbooks. Like we didn't know, 
we didn't know anything about them. We only knew. We I, I knew nothing. And I, I didn't know that because this is the country that I know the translation, the, the Chinese translation of. I never came across this country in any way, in anything that I've been doing in my adult life. So like seeing a country that existed in my high school geography book, being in the Winter Olympics in my country, I was like, this is this is just from that alone. This is great. I'm like, oh, wow. You bring up something interesting. All this time we're talking about the Olympics and we've mostly missed the opening because the opening ceremony was pretty amazing. They had, was the floor an LED screen or was it just lasers? Because that was amazing. Yes. Right. And then the moment when the, the big ice chunk kind of just slowly yeah, melted yeah. away and the, the Olympic rings ascended. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I was that. That's so cool. But, you know, the favorite part of the the the, the opening ceremony for, mm. for me had to be the square dancing cruise for the for oh. the little girl that seemed to get lost. And then another little girl came and got her and brought her back into the group. Did you, you know, do you know what the, the meaning was behind that? A shared future together. That and it's also kind of a nod at. At, um, how we're going to fight uh, human trafficking against children oh, in the world. At the, no, I didn't know that. The idea is not to leave anyone behind. And mm. I was, and just, I was just so many goosebump moments in the opening ceremony and, mm. and the, the, all of the dancing part, all of the people that you saw that were doing the square dancing, those are not dancers. Those were, those were not actors. Mm. Those were actual people that we, Jason, you and I talked about on this show, people who we see on the square. Oh, really? Yes. Those were like, uh-huh. uh, like actual square dancing people and they're like did you see the people on the side what my wife and i were really commenting on because as each country came down it took yes there there were all these people dancing on the side and my wife and are like how can they dance for so long they're they must be exhausted i i remember making that comment during the summer olympics like 14 years ago Mm. i was like oh my god it's like an hour and a half of just countries entering the the stadium and they had to jump and dance and be happy they have to just do that's a lot of physical work <laughs> and then i saw these people doing the same thing for the same length of time in freezing weather i was like <laughs> i don't even i can't even describe how much respect i have for these volunteers and i guess that's why it also moved a lot of the the the, the athletes coming in and they see that this is so much dedication um from the hosting country my wife so. kept you know she I, I don't know why but she kept looking at apparel that everyone's wearing and she's like yeah i don't want that jacket oh yeah that jacket's really nice. You know, she's like using it as an opportunity to decide what kind of winter apparel she, she wants. De- she definitely doesn't <laughs> want the Tonga winter apparel. <laughs> just, <laughs> the, the gentleman yes. without the shirt. Oh, yeah. You know, I just want to mention really quickly, since we're talking about Tonga, they, they had a volcano erupt recently. I know. Uh, in January. And and China sent 4,800 tons. I may be wrong. I think this, I think I have accurate tons of aid uh, to Tonga as a gift, you know, international donation to help the people of Tonga. I don't think anyone, there were no casualties, but they did have a lot of displacement. Definitely. So they, got, they gave them uh, tractors and discs and water purifiers and uh, tents that could be erected for an emergency situation and several tons of water that the that their ships were able to purify for them. And it was really beautiful. Another international like uh, show of brotherly love. Yeah. And that's why it's great for us to see the Tonga athletes coming to the Winter Olympics and, you know, representing mm-hmm. like like you said, you would not think that they have sports like that, but they do. It's uh, it's the, it's <laughs> you know, it's the charm yeah. of the Olympics. <laughs> 
Well, that is all the time we have. Always a great pleasure speaking with you, Alex. I'm sure that our fans got a lot out of this and memories uh, that will last, you know, from the Olympics for everyone's lifetime. And here's to hopefully another Olympics in China <laughs> sometime soon. All right. See you next time. Talk to you next time. Together for a shared future in Share it, you change, it's you like, it's you